Hello and welcome to episode 59 of Booze, Booms and Busts, the podcast where we discuss market events while at the same time having a couple of beers. My name is Boaz Shoshan and I'm joined as ever by Sam Volkring. Sam, how are you getting on? Getting on very well this week, uh, Boaz. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun weekend for me. I'm very much into my golf. The Ryder Cup has literally just teed off a couple of hours ago. Uh, I've got beer, I've got golf, I've got a long weekend. It's my birthday coming up. Uh, right. Just just fun times, man. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to a couple of beers, chewing the fat over a bit of shit. And, uh, yeah, hope everyone else that's listening in is going to do the same. Yeah, we certainly have uh, plenty on at the moment. I'm not a massive golf guy myself. I think we've discussed this in a previous podcast, but of course... <laughs> The Ryder Cup is, uh, is is on its way. I don't think I'll be tuning in for very much of it. But uh, yeah, Sam, uh, dare dare I ask how old you might be? How old I might be? Oh, you never ask a lady her age. Uh, how old am I? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I'm turning 38. All right. I sound about right. I'm just running the numbers through my head. Yeah, that's right. 38. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's correct. Going to be able to celebrate much? Um, I, I think we're gonna go out for brunch. Uh, I think uh, that's about the extent of it. I think we might be going out for lunch as well on one of the days over the weekend. Uh, I, I have a sneaky suspicion that my wife may have organised a bit of a surprise, but I'm I've not let on that I might have said suspicion, but that could it could be more. But I don't know. Well, I'll let you know next week as to whether my suspicions were right or not. Oh well, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure, all of our listeners are uh, are united in wishing you a very happy birthday, Sam. Yeah, uh, I hope you have uh, plenty of beer as much as you can have when you've got two baby boys. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally the extent of what I'm drinking today. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now this week I actually have a very special beer to start us oh, off with. Really? Uh, this was found. This was uh, sought out by uh, my lovely girlfriend, who's always on the lookout for interesting beers, as she knows <sighs> I've. Uh, as you know, I'm an alcoholic. So um, yeah, this one, <laughs> this one is very special, very, very, very applicable to our current time. Right. This is called Tulips Craft Beer. Oh, I love and it. And it is brewed, brewed with organic Dutch tulip bulbs. And really? the description reads as following. This blonde craft beer is an ode to our, our beloved tulip, a remarkable and epic flower once introduced in Western Europe as a gift from the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire with an enormous impact. The wow. colourful novelty was quickly embraced by the Dutch and became a status symbol. It even caused the first economic bubble, the so-called tulip mania, an era during which canal houses were sold at the price of one single bulb. So this is made by Polder's Tulips, and I believe this is a Dutch brewery. Uh, even though this is all in, I believe this is all in English. Yeah, it is. Um, but the official website for this brewery is .nl. Yeah, it's Dutch. It's called Polder's <laughs> Blonde. So yeah, I'm, get, I'm guessing so it's... Is, is, it, yeah. is it actually brewed with tulip bulbs? Is that what they're saying? Yeah, yeah brewed with organic Dutch tulip bulbs. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so that's what we've got here today. It is a 6% ABV. What a great um, find. Yeah, yeah, very good. This was apparently in a farm shop somewhere in Staffordshire. So, yeah, we've got tulips, as everyone loves. To, you know, everyone will always find a way of bringing up tulips when you're talking about financial speculation, especially Bitcoin, of course. We have seen this week that uh, China has decided to ban Bitcoin for the 1,000th time. 
uh, probably be as successful as all the other times. But uh, yeah, this is apparently the reason why why Bitcoin has gone down. Do you know? Uh, um, the, the funny thing is, is that the first beer I've got was chosen exactly for similar purposes. The, the beer I've got is called is from the Motive Beer Company, and it's called Mechanics of Illusion. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, this doesn't actually have a description on it. Uh, the Motive Beer. Okay, this is uh, this this brewery's in uh, Zagreb in Croatia, so it's a Croatian. Uh, Creation brewer. It's a modern West Coast IPA, but I literally I chose it. The mechanics of of, of illusion, specifically with think with China in mind. That is that is wow. literally the only reason why I chose this particular beer because of the name with exactly that in mind. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah quite a momentous time. Uh, of course, the Evergrande debacle is continuing. Um, I was wondering about this, you know. So we had you know last year we had the the Ever Given. There was mm. uh, that ship from the Evergreen Shipping Company. Now we've got the Evergrande. I was just wondering if we pretended to be economists, and so we're just going to project forward in a linear fashion uh, <laughs> what this means for the future as part of our model. It means you know Everton is going to come bottom of the league. Everlast is going to oh, go Everlast. bankrupt. Uh, all of the uh, all of the the tourist climbers who love going up Everest are going to get wiped out in some freak storm that will probably get blamed on climate change. <laughs> are there any other Evers you can think of, Sam, that we can include here? I uh, I can't. I, it's like I, I feel like you've you've prepared this list <laughs> because off the top of my head, I cannot think of anything else. All the other Evers. There's the, got to be the, other Evers. It's um, ever. There has to be something. The, the uh, no, I can't. Literally, there's nothing that comes to mind. But it's yeah. it's it's funny, right? It's um, I I'd see, I've seen some memes online of uh, uh, what was the what was the ship again? The ever ever given ever given, just being renamed to the ever grand. Yeah. Uh, it's just and it looks it looks exactly the same. Somebody's just done a neat little Photoshop over yeah, the yeah. side of it. Um, but it is. It's it's, it's like the. It is literally like Evergrande has become like this giant shipping container that's just sort of currently blocking the Chinese uh, economy. Um, I mean, no one ever really knows what happens in China. We only speculate. And I guess to a, I've, I think I've come around to the idea today, actually literally today, that we just should stop giving a shit about China. <laughs> Well, like, to be honest with you, I think what we've done for the last 20 years <laughs> is not give a shit about China, which I think is actually a grand error. I think we need to start really giving a shit about China, but it but, depends, I guess, what you're giving a shit about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, 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 all of a sudden it became this, like this huge, like if, if you, I, I remember going way back to when I was at school still, and there was the... Um, and I'm I'm not I'm not a huge history buff when it comes to things like uh, financial history or any kind of history. I know loose amounts. You're much much more well versed in all of that than I am. Um, but the the Asian currency crisis uh, at the back of the late yeah. '90s, and China was just a fleck in the ocean, really. Is you mm-hmm. know back yeah, then. Yeah, since I mean, the it big, but, you know it was it was much much smaller. Yeah. Yeah, comparatively to now, it was it was, it was tiny, and, uh, and 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 no one really gave too much notice about it. And we do now because it's just become this, just sort of it's become this giant shipping container 
that is it was almost too big to turn around or to fix um and I, I read some i've read some really great articles about china from from people that have lived there and have been heavily involved in policy in the asian and oceanic region with china um pointing out some you know some some pretty interesting facts that no one really actually knows how the how sort of high-ranking political mechanisms work in china unless you are part of it and if you're part of it you don't talk about it to anyone else basically outside of china so we never really understand what's going on there but i can't help but think if the rest of the world in terms of uh government central banks and those sorts of you know high-ranking decision makers if the rest of the world is so shit at what they do why do we think china is any better there's every chance that their decision makers around the central bank and uh, all their politics are absolute dog shite and that every decision they've made over the last 20 years has been the wrong one and that very well that that economy could implode i don't know why we think any different really well the we the reason we think differently is because the chinese economy over the past 20 years has managed to grow at a rate that is you know vastly exceeds uh, so much of what we see in the west uh, and so people think that they must be doing something right because they've managed to make, uh, you know, the per, uh, per capita income uh, or just per capita wealth, they've managed to grow it so incredibly fast. But haven't they just been better at money printing? No, no, uh, because they've been, they, they pegged their currency and they made it, they made it artificially weak. So they allowed, uh, they allowed their, I mean, in that, in that way, they have been very good at, they've been good at money printing, but of a different variety. Uh, so they've been able to hoard, uh, you know, all of this capital. I mean, what they've been good at is, you know, they peg their their currency artificially cheap. That allows them to hoover up the world's manufacturing base. So the world's manufacturing base no longer exists anywhere really but China. When, you, when you're talking about uh, on aggregate, all of the manufacturing has just gone to China. And that was very, that was very clever. You know, it was a very good move by them. And, uh, you know, they kept their currency weak uh, for a very long period of time. This allowed them to uh, not only to be really competitive on exports, but also to, to you know to contain their own their own capital because they were in a way depriving their own citizens of, of the money. But um, yeah, they've done that really well. Uh, they've managed to grow their economy in a huge in a huge way and become a, a global power in a very short space of time. As you say, in the late '90s, China was very very small. Once it joins the World Trade Organization, it you know just moves at a non-linear rate. I mean, it was just this exponential scaling up of. Uh, you know, the everyman's living conditions, wealth, opportunities. Uh, and that's why everyone thinks that the CCP know what they're doing. They've managed to, everyone keeps thinking that China is going to implode. One of the arguments I've encountered, which I think would answer the question of why it doesn't implode, is that China has figured out that you just need continuous private credit growth uh, rather than uh, public credit growth. So you're talking about over here in the West, we've just seen, uh, you know, governments just borrow and borrow and borrow and borrow, mm. but they've not specifically tried to find a way of making banks lend and lend and lend and lend. And the Chinese have done that. And that's what the Japanese did in the eighties during their incredible, incredible, well, just in the eighties, but you know, in their, in their incredible rise, they managed to make the private sector banks lend money, even when they might not want to lend money. Uh, and that's managed to help them grow their economy a huge amount and provided you can keep the private credit, private credit growing, then you can actually get away with it for a long period of time. So 
China, of course, has huge issues, huge problems is um, due to the, the short term nature of many of their economic plans. They've, uh, they've destroyed a lot of, you know, say their, their fertile, uh, you know, land that they could be farming. Uh, it's mm. been very, it's been over farmed. They've been using horrific pesticides. Um, and, you know, they've damaged there's a lot of overfishing, you know, in South China Sea, uh, that, which is very bad. But at the same time, you know, China has gone from being, as you would say, you know, it's, it's a, a, a dust speck. I mean, I wouldn't say it was that small at all in the 90s. Oh, but... the, the big story in the late 80s and 90s was it was the J J Japan story was the Asian driver. Yeah, yeah. Well, in, in the 90s, I mean, that's when Japan's having its, its lost decade. I mean, it's yeah. of the decline of Japan is going on. Uh, and then, of course, you get the, the Asian financial crisis, which, which shows up. But, you know, back in, if you go, remember, so in the 90s, this is before uh, China is part of the World Trade Organization, but it's also after the Cold War is completed. So you have this incredible period of sort of the 90s and the 2000s, where America is the, 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 one, the one superpower that no one can stand against. Uh, and so China's role in the Cold War is somewhat, somewhat diminished. I mean, it was key to winning the Cold War was getting China on side against the Soviets and exploiting the Sino-Soviet split. But post the Cold War, you know, China sort of, uh, sort of submerges a bit in terms of its, its significance. Mm. Um, and of course, you know, in 89, that was Tiananmen Square. So, uh, you know, that was when the West had sort of fallen out with China in a lot of ways. Uh, but now here we have it today. And, you know, they're the number one rival of the US. So... Uh, I think why people look to look to China as they know what they're doing is that they've managed to engineer this in what appears to be a short period of time. Yeah, it's, I, um, I mean, I guess that's the advantage when you're a one-party country. Yeah, when you're a dictatorship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, it, uh, I, I'm also keen to get your thoughts on uh, this weird uh, Australia, UK, Australia, US uh intelligence military technologies pact which is pissed off the french french royally um but that does neither here nor there um but the what that says i guess to to china um i mean you can't ignore the u.s economy and like you say you know if the man the, you know the world's main manufacturing base is now china you know that's gonna there's uh, we and there was that period where was it was it 2019 i can't remember the trade war standoff uh do you think we'll see more of it do you think this is the this whole submarine thing with australia and the us and then the sharing of intelligence and and basically just a bit of a shot across the bow at china do you think that's gonna stir the pot a little bit more oh yes i mean i think it already has stirred the pot in a big way uh, we've got the yeah the French recalling their ambassadors and things. They're obviously pissed off. I mean, I would say this the the AU UK US deal is um, you know a success in that it's managed to piss off the French so much. I mean, it's sort of an end in itself, isn't it? But uh, you know, on a more serious note, uh, I think yeah, I think it's great. I think the UK involvement is very good as well because of course we have very very big uh, blue water submarine fleet. Uh, we tried and everything. Um, yeah, I mean, I. I was, um, if we wind back to 2018, that's when everyone was talking about trade war. That's and I was right. saying it, it's not a trade war, it's a cold war. Uh, what mm. what everyone was thinking, there was this very strange, it was really, it was quite irritating really, where journalists really <laughs> just wanted to pin everything on Trump and just say, oh, it's this stupid guy. It's, uh, we're going back to the days of Smoot-Hawley. You know, this is, uh, everything was perfect before he got here. And it's like, <laughs> 
Actually, no. I mean, the, the US establishment had been sort of realizing the threat of China for some time. The Pentagon certainly had been, uh, and they were preparing for a shift away from it. They saw that this was a national security risk to have so much of your manufacturing base in China, including for uh, strategic uh, military purposes, uh, strategic military um, you know, uh, materiel. Uh, so, you know, what was going on there was much deeper than that. So I was saying that we we're in Cold War II. Uh, the world seems to be much more sort of on side with that idea now. Uh, I think the, the collaboration with submarines is a very cool idea. Mm. Uh, and it, in terms of it, it's not so extrovert. It, there's, there's a lot of subtlety there because yeah. you put missile station, you know, missile uh, batteries on, you know, Japan's coast for long range missile strikes. That's obviously very overt. It is very aggressive, whereas submarines that are just sort of slinking yeah. around, the governments never really talk about what the submarines are doing. Parked off the coast of Queensland or the Northern Territory. Right, right. I mean, you could, there's a lot more deniability, so it's yeah. more, a sort of more softer, a softer touch uh, attack on, on uh, China's ambitions in the area. Um, I have a feeling that, though it's something somewhat hopeful, but I think strategic interests uh, uh, come first and economic interests and, uh, and, and such follow that. So I think what we see here with, there's already been huge amounts of collaboration between the US and the UK uh, quite recently uh, when it comes to their military um, alliance. But here, I think what we're doing is, what we will end up with is more trade going on uh, outside of military um, capacity, uh, out of military, outside of military capabilities between US, UK and Australia. I think this is, the, the strategic side of it comes first and mm. the trading relationship will come after. So I think what we're seeing is more of a uh, consolidation within the Anglosphere. Now, the Kiwis don't want to be involved with it. They, you know, they, they banned nuclear vessels in any of their ports in 1984. They don't want anything to do with it. They're massive. And they're China's, whip, China's whipping boy too. Exactly. So they don't want to do anything. Uh, they've already said they're going to. They're not going to allow any of the submarines in the port. Though that would be that would have been the same anyway because you know they're banned since nineteen eighty four. Uh, but no, I think I think it's very good. I think China. If China's people don't seem to understand how important the South China Sea is. Uh, yeah. So much of the stuff just in this country comes through the South mm. China Sea. Global energy, huge amount of it does. Same with natural gas. So much of the world's shipping goes through it. You cannot allow a uh, the, the the Chinese Communist Party to seize yeah. control of it and annex it because otherwise the way of living that you know today will no longer exist uh, or it will only exist if uh, you do whatever the CCP says. So hmm. uh, you need, you need to challenge that in the area. Yeah. I get the feeling that you, so you mentioned as well uh, just before about um, strategic materials and things like that as well. Kind of get the feeling that uh, the, the, the U S is very keen to basically wind off any reliance on China whatsoever for anything that they need, whether it be materials, technology, whatever. And that they're now starting to position, or well, they've been probably started probably positioning for a while now because <laughs> these things don't happen just overnight. They usually don't even happen just in one presidency either um, to uh, yeah, to shore up, the supply of all those things. Um, I always find it interesting when they bring Australia into the, these conversations, but the one thing that Australia has for it is that it is a very material rich country. Yeah, a lot of resources. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, you know, the US-Australia relationship with Linus Corporation, the rare earth exactly, producer, was yeah. very much, uh, you know, very much a signal of that, of that collaboration. 
when it comes to strategic materials. But you know, the the Pentagon had an issue. I remember reading uh, it was about you know just the the textiles. So you know the things that used for uniforms and for tents. Mm. Uh, that was something that the you know U.S. Army noticed that they had a, a vulnerability when it came to their supply of uh, textiles. Uh, that was one of the things that they wanted to get, to get away from. Uh, from China for, and of course, the big ones, obviously, like rare earths and things yeah. like that with North Korea and China, uh, which we've discussed often on this. Um, but yeah, there are so many moving parts. Wool and, and tents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like the, the simple things that you need. The, like what like your what you make your you know your woolly jumpers from when you're gonna go fighting in a in a you know zero degree uh the battle zone or something. In like the Himalayas, that. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, how else are you gonna how else are you gonna launch an attack through the north through the north of China unless you've got the appropriate warm clothes to do so? Mm, yeah. I remember uh, reading a while back how in the mid 2000s it was either or maybe it was the 90s actually. Might be the 90s where the US uh, stopped teaching their naval uh, naval academy recruits how to use a sextant, uh, and because they were just relying on GPS, and then they brought it back in in the 2010s because they realized that uh, you know satellite uh, satellite attacks are going to be a really big deal. China's yeah. very big on on their on their space program, of course. Uh, I believe it, yeah, quite recently actually, yeah, I think it was actually over the past week, uh, a couple of. Uh, no, more than a couple. A few Chinese astronauts returned from the International Space Station this week. Um, were they recalled anyway. or were they due to return? Do you know? Oh, they're due to return. Everything went as planned. Okay. But uh, yeah, there's a new space race on, and people are still, yeah, people are still kind of getting used to this this second Cold War idea. I think. Yeah, I mean, over the over the past few years, I know China's been always more in, interested in um, testing out uh, space warfare, basically, um, being able to blow satellites out of orbit with uh, weaponry, yeah. missiles, mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, they, they're they're the biggest one of the biggest contributors to space junk um, because of the shit that they've blown up in orbit. That's true. Um, so it would only make sense, you know, if you're going to if you're going to start to get into those sorts of types of things, you know, the, the ability to take out some GPS satellites or some strategic communication satellites would be a pretty powerful, uh, pretty powerful thing to have up here in your arsenal. I would have thought. Well, exactly. And I thought, I thought in 2019, one of the, actually, no, actually it occurred in 2020. It's something I wrote about at the time, but uh, you know, knocking out GPS is fine, but what are you going to use? And yeah. it was actually last year that China succeeded in uh, in launching the, the the final installment of their constellation for their own version of GPS, uh, so which now has global coverage. So uh, Chinese mm -hmm. military can now operate anywhere in the world with the same, you know, and communicate using these satellites. Uh, so they don't need to they don't need to uh, worry about about GPS and getting locked out of GPS anymore. It's worth noting that GPS is a very old system. Uh, I remember yeah. through a podcast with someone in the Pentagon who'd um, uh, who would you know actually gone to the sort of the center where they still run GPS, uh, which is of course you know this is core to so many things uh, we take for granted in the modern world. And like the computers are those old you know uh, cream, uh, plastic, IBM things from like the from the nineties. They're still using the same ones. It hasn't been upgraded. Um, and yeah, you know China's obviously got an interest in in uh, if something were to happen that they would they would they would want to take action against. Uh, GPS, which we just take for granted. I wonder. Um, I wonder. So, so in the last couple of weeks as well, um, Elon Musk through SpaceX has been launching um, Starlink satellites yep. into orbit, 
uh, and have got a number of those up and running. And uh, I, I was I was actually reading an article this week about um, the ability to use that the researchers had, had used those satellites uh, as as like a as a form of GPS to pinpoint locations on Earth as well. And, uh, it makes me wonder if Starlink is a little bit more. There's more going on. Aren't more going on, yeah. More going on there under the hood than just you know we're going to provide you know, connectivity and access to people all over the earth. I wonder if there's, you know, a little FBI, CIA, NSA piggyback. They've certainly launched national intelligence agency satellites on using, using uh, uh, SpaceX rockets, that's for sure. Mm. And we have spoken on this, uh, we have speculated on this show before that uh, one of the reasons why Elon gets away with everything that he does and never gets any, into any trouble is because he's vital to U.S. national security. And that's, uh, you know, it is just a speculation, but I suspect that's one of the reasons why, why he gets away with it so much um, because, you know, he, he's just very good at, at the space game and getting what people want up there. You know, Russia is also one of, one of these countries that's very, very good at playing the, the, playing the space game, ultimately. Yeah. They've got satellites, and I remember... There was a there was a story that did make it out about a Russian satellite. There was a suspected spy spy satellite that yeah. maneuvered in order to, to try and hack into a telecom satellite, a Western telecom satellite, uh, and you know it actually just gone close to it. And they, they speculated <laughs> that there are there are, they've they've even tried out weapons technology. So you know you could actually one satellite directly blowing one up or spraying acid on it, yeah. uh, or all manner of crazy things. Just satellite knife crime. Uh, yeah, the, the next great threat. Just satellites just knifing each other out in orbit. Yeah, yeah. In space, no one can hear you get shanked. <laughs> um, oh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, the actually speaking of speaking of Elon Musk, um, it, it's it's a, it's a loose segue, but um, it made me immediately think of uh, today. I was I was read a, I read a bunch of stories about people. Um, uh, basically queuing up at the petrol station to uh to fill up their cars because of the the thought uh that we may be facing a, a petrol shortage yeah, yeah. here in the uk and which made me think about the the great Lou roll um uh, likewise likewise hype in in 20 <laughs> It's like everyone everyone literally shit themselves and then had to go and get all the loo roll uh, from the shops. And now it seems like everyone's doing the same. They're just freaking out and just going down to the petrol station, just loading up uh, on petrol. And look, I'm I will be the first to admit. So I first read the story about BP struggling to get drivers to deliver petrol to their petrol stations. Must have been Wednesday night or maybe Thursday morning. I think it was yeah. And I was, and I thought to myself, I, I genuinely thought to myself, okay, you know what? People are going to lose their fucking minds over this, and they're going to start queuing up at the petrol station. And so I jumped on Amazon, and I was this close, like this close. I'm, I'm holding my fingers very closely together for people that clearly can't see my fingers. Um, to buying a 20 liter jerry can flipping down to the petrol station and just loading her up and sitting sitting 20 liters of diesel in the garage for the next year in case people really did just freak the fuck out and then i was like yeah you know what people aren't that stupid and 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 i just filled up both cars earlier in the week anyway um just by pure chance 
Uh, and so I thought, nah, I don't know, 20, 20 liter jerry can. No one's going to be that stupid. And then literally today, it's just like queues at petrol stations far and wide because people are that stupid. Um, yeah. I don't know. They're only looking out in their own self-interest. So for example, you know, if you're aware that you believe that that might happen because you think people are stupid, you're not being stupid in going up and filling up your, your jerry can even if that helps perpetuate the same thing, right? Well, it is a bit stupid, really, because the reality is, is I'm never going to need to, I'm not going to need to draw on that. We're not, oh, not going to run out of petrol. Here we go. So said Sam Volkering, one not, fateful day. We're not running on out of petrol. 24th of September in the year <laughs> of our Lord, 2020-21. Come Christmas, I'll be like, fuck, why didn't I fill up that 20-liter jerry can? You know, I can, well, I can, I can Sam, I mean, I can definitely see it happening. It dry, like for whatever reason, loads of logistics issues, government like spazzes out. They're already talking about capping energy prices. Why not petrol prices? They did that in the seventies. It caused huge supply issues. I can imagine it happening again. Or, or is this just, here we go. A conspiracy go. Mm-hmm. to get people to buy electric cars. Oh, maybe. No one, think- no one was an electric cars shitting themselves. Yeah, although 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 uh, they are because we don't have enough wind power and there's a you know, there's an emerging gas crisis so yeah I mean, maybe like, we I fucked both ways itself. maybe I mean, it's maybe it's a conspiracy to get people to buy bikes yeah micro scooters yeah. they're coming back skateboarding it's coming back bro. <laughs> skate man i'd be all for skateboarding coming back although it's not really safe to ride a bike around let alone the pathways only around here with okay? a skateboard it's probably for the midlife crisis I've always, I've always had a skateboard. I've got skateboards, not in this country. I've got, I've got two skateboards back home in Australia. I should get my dad to ship them over to me. He shipped me a bunch of stuff recently. None of the skateboards. Oh it's man! That. Actually, Tell I think him, to be fair, I think, I think my nephew has one of them. Tell him to throw in a yellow Porsche while he, while you're at it. <laughs> he did throw in a yellow Porsche. Actually, no, he threw in a white Porsche. Except it was about a one twenty fourth scale, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I can see, I mean, I, I think it's really quite alarming. Um, the echoes with the 60s, late 60s and 70s are are very prescient, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's to be fair, that's immediately where my where my mind first went to is some of those old images that you see of, you know, people queuing up, uh, you know, waiting hours at the petrol pumps, um, you know, the petrol pumps shutting because there was no fuel and people were just abandoning their cars there because they would, they would run out of fuel and going back when the fuel eventually returned. Yeah, and uh, what was it? If you had an odd-numbered license plate or an even-numbered license plate, that would depend when you could get gas each day? Yeah, I mean, I, to think that, that that could be a possibility is a little wild. Um, I mean, that's, that's one of the perils you face when you live on an island, uh, as an island nation. I, I can't imagine people in Germany are freaking out. Oh, uh, they are, man. Man, that that engineer at Gazprom, he's gonna turn off the taps. But at least they're closer to to Russia that they could, you know, skip across and demand that he turn them back on. Um, ah, the, the Germans, <laughs> them and whose army? <laughs> <laughs> they've got they've got form. Um, I don't know. I just you know, some part of me thinks, okay, yeah, maybe these are things that we do need to consider. Um, you know, maybe we should all have a twenty liter jerry can of diesel that we fill up at the beginning of each year and just keep for a year as as an emergency reserve. 
And I'm like, why, why, what, how have we even got to this point where it's even a realistic consideration? How fucked up have, have, have politicians and, and powers that be made the planet that we have to use that as a consideration in today's day and age? I don't know, man. Uh, so, I mean, we started out this conversation saying, you know, uh, you know, the Chinese government, what makes them special, right? Why are they different from all the other guys? And ultimately, yeah, I mean, I think it's a completely, completely valid point. I mean, they're just as fallible as anyone else's. And the fact that they're, uh, you know, it's a top-down authoritarian dictatorship, uh, it allows mistakes to compound in ways that they can't in democracy. So in a way, it's even more dangerous, right? Yeah. But, you know, politicians are just as dumb as they were in the 70s. And, yeah. you know, I can easily see, uh, you know, the same kind of mistakes get made. I think the appeal to it's the modern age now, things that, you know, you know, things are different now. I mean, people are no different than they were. They're just, they just maybe have a shorter attention span. And Same motivations, different attention spans. Exactly. I mean, so I would actually, um, you know, if I, I don't have a car, right? But if I did, uh, I would probably have two jerry cans that were fill up, filled up all the time. Uh, I think is there are all manner of ways in which this, very, you know, our, we'd like uh, just-in-time inventory, right? For example, this, uh, this is what so many companies and corporations and you know, groceries use, just yeah. keep everything uh, to maximize their own profits, yeah. right? They're not very, they're not, uh, they're not robust. They require everything to be very, very stable. And whenever something disturbs that stability, suddenly this just-in-time inventory, you know, it vanishes because they can't get it just in time anymore. They didn't have a, you know, a long-standing larder full of inventory because that would have cost more money. And, uh, over time, things haven't become more robust. They've become more fragile. And I just, mm. there are going to be things that really will shake that fragility. And I'm, I'm sure of that this decade that we will see some things that would shock uh, a lot of people uh, where all these things they took for granted, like gas at the gas station and groceries at the grocery store. And they might, they just might not be there. I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm going to have to do it. I think now, even if just, for, we, we don't run out of petrol, but just in case we run out of energy, I can just, get some of some diesel on a uh, on my son's um, cubby house in the backyard at least to keep us warm this winter if we run out of uh, electricity if yeah, if yeah. our energy provider goes under like all the small energy providers are going under at the moment as well yeah yeah i mean it, it's quite remarkable the, those energy providers going under so quickly yeah uh, and quarteng you know the uh, the secretary for uh, for i think it's energy is it well it's for business industrial and energy development like the guy who's put these caps on uh, on energy prices. I mean, Quarteng, that guy uh, is a, like this guy was as Thatcherite as you get. I mean, this guy was meant to be the most pro-market chap in the book, and yet here here he is, uh, and now he's in power. And suddenly, we're just capping prices, and uh, we're thinking of doing windfall taxes on the companies that don't go bust. Uh, you know, as punishment, right? <laughs> uh, and it's remarkable how little people care for these things that were that, that worked for so long. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Sam, I, I, if I were you, I'd uh, you know get that get that jerry can, you know, do it real real discreet, make sure no one notices. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna lie either. I was I was sort of tossing up. I spent about ten minutes just tossing up whether do I get two twenty liter jerry cans or one, and then I'm getting none. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should have. Maybe I should. Maybe I will. Maybe I still will. And and just nip down and and um and fill them up. Um, I mean, I do need to get some petrol anyway for my lawnmower, um, because I need to mow the lawn one more time. I think at least maybe two more times before the winter rolls around. Um, and if if I don't have petrol, I can't, I can't make my lawns. See, I, for for a long time, I tossed up. Do I get one of these 
fancy uh, robot va- uh, robot lawnmowers? Do I stick with an electric one? I was like, nah, I like the smell. I like the sound of a, of a proper two-stroke uh, petrol lawnmower. And now I think I've come to regret it because I'm... I'm, I'm fuel there's just no fuel anymore you could have mate you could have returned to tradition and got one of those ones that doesn't have yeah. a motor or an engine you know the ones that you just push over and it and it winds it all up my mate's got one of those and he swears by it where i was like yeah my lawn's too big <laughs> you know uh i was actually it would have been yeah it would have been last year i went to see my uh my my uh my a relative of mine he lives on a uh Lives on a narrowboat, uh, though I actually, actually, probably doesn't anymore. I think he sold it by now because he's heading, he's heading to the states again. And uh, when they were on that narrowboat, uh, I noticed they didn't have a jerry can, and it was like, you know, getting fuel on narrowboats isn't isn't actually always as reliable as you want it to be. Yeah. So, like, first thing, like when I got there, I was like, mate, you need a jerry can, and that was just <laughs> that we went to B and Q and we got one because uh, I think it's important to have have things like that because uh, you, you especially on a boat like that, yeah, 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 yeah. Get yeah. some of that red diesel. Yeah, some of the good, the, the real good stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. Duty free fuel. Now, Sam, uh, I'm on my second beer now. Uh, what oh, yeah. rate yours? Uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm on my second as well. So yeah, I'll rate up uh, the mechanics of illusion, modern West Coast IPA from the Motif Beer Company in Zagreb in Croatia. Uh, which was a 5.5% ABV, which makes sense because Volko's feeling a little tipsy after that one. I haven't eaten much today. Um, oh, it was okay. Um, didn't really knock my socks off. There wasn't much to it. Um, it was a bit forgettable, really. I think I'd just give it an A+. Yeah, I feel similarly about the tulips. Despite it, uh, despite such a great lore behind it. Oh, and it, it was actually brewed in Belgium. The the the, the, the company is Dutch. Um, yeah, I would give that an A plus. Six percent tulips craft beer brewed with organic tulip bulbs. Right. Well, my second uh, is from actually a, a quite a well known brewery, the Stegel uh, Brewery, Stegel Brauerei in uh, Salzburg, Austria. Um, but this isn't your typical Stiegel. Uh, this is their Columbus 1492 uh, which just means hoppy, uh, pale ale. Right. Uh, not one I've had before. Most like a bigger brewery, of course, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's a sort of it's their hoppy pale ale, a 4.7 percent. Uh, the Stiegel Columbus 1492. I love I love beers with an old date on them. <laughs> yeah it makes you think they're like brewed by monks or something yep <laughs> pretty much <laughs> the second one i've got today i believe i may have had it on triple b before maybe you can correct me sam uh this one is one of my favorite beers uh i actually discovered i had this uh very recently i didn't know it was uh i'm staying here in staffordshire and i had a little beer star storage here and i've been here for a lot a while came back turned out i had a, uh, a lot of beers i didn't remember getting uh, <laughs> i i've got uh yeah, one of my favorite ever. This is A Long Forgotten Journey by Siren Craft Brew. Uh, and this is a barrel-aged barley wine with honey and orange peel, 10%. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, made in a, they, they, the barrel-aged, the barrel they use is a Grand Marnier barrel, and it's uh, it's a real winner. Uh, I'm just looking to see if, 
we've got that on the list. Uh, I, I can't find it. So it may really? be the first time you've had it on this podcast, but probably not the first time you've had it before. Oh, yeah, certainly had it quite a lot. Yeah, loads of times before, actually. But I think I met, yeah, I think I mentioned it on this podcast in one of our very early episodes when you were talking about the pot to be a rate. No, what was it? Uh, Yeah, pot to fitness ratio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was during that episode. That was very early days. That was Um, early on. I tell you what, I'm looking at our list of beers now. uh, And I mean, if you do the simple math, I mean, shit. I think some of our first episodes, we were doing like four beers in, a, in, in an episode yeah, or three beers in an episode. I was like, I couldn't do that now. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be off my tits. I'd be sideways. Nah, mate, you could do it. It's all about, it's all about the mind. It's all in the mind. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all about the mind. It's the psychology, of, psychology of beer drinking. Um, but so what are we 50 episode 59 and we let's say on average most of the time now i've been doing two two per yeah, mostly two. episode each uh so that that's still four an episode i mean we we we've gone through a fair bit of piss in the last year and a bit <laughs> yeah i remember when i was in stockholm doing four in an episode because they were only because i hadn't gone to the special uh, special shop and they were just got that 3.5 percent stuff yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, we have. Yeah, they go on. through. They go. They go through quickly. But um, I, I, it made me think: how many beers? How many different beers are there? Is there a point where, at some point, you could get through them all? No way. They keep coming out with new ones, man. <laughs> There's always more beer. That's the thing. You spend like you know the thing with drinking beer is like you find you spend. The whole reason, like for me, it's like the whole reason you're drinking it is to try and find the best beer ever. And uh, and then you find it and then you just keep looking for the next one. So like a long forgotten journey, I, I discovered that in what, 20, probably about 2014. Uh, and it was just like the best best beer ever. But, uh, you know, afterwards you just keep keep looking. And then if you see an old one again, you're like, damn, this is a great beer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it again. The eternal pursuit of perfection which yep. I, I, I had said that I would try and slide in as many uh, references to the Ryder Cup and golf as I could today. And golf is definitely one of those games uh, where there's an eternal pursuit for perfection, which can never be achieved, even by the professionals. You know, you, you just watching the Ryder Cup earlier and they sh- one of them, Dustin Johnson, used to be the world number one, shanks this, this three wood off the tee off to the left or just hooks one wildly off to the left. Uh, it's, 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 it's as though I, I could, I could hit ones like that. <laughs> this is one of those games where no matter how good you get, you will never be as good as perfection. Not even Tiger Woods. Um, for but the struggle, the struggle to get struggle is real in golf, man. Yeah. That's what people <laughs> want to watch. You know, talk about, uh, talk about someone screwing up at like, uh, <laughs> screwing up at something they should be good at did you see conor mcgregor's opening pitch at that uh, baseball game in the states oh no i haven't oh mate it oh, is is he done is he doddled one not even the full length from oh no out. like he just throws it in the completely wrong direction i just go, it go like it, it bounces off some like you know <laughs> some yeah oh it's it's it's, it's embarrassing to watch but, i mean here's like a guy something, who, out, of like, a naked, throws, something out of a naked gun movie yeah yeah it's a uh it was it was slapstick you know 
you know, I guess everyone has their off days, eh? Wow. Yeah. Last off day he had, he had his uh, leg snapped in half by, by himself. <laughs> by himself. <laughs> yeah. Talk about an off day. Yeah. If you ever oh. feel like you're having a bad day, you know, your, your leg didn't just snap by itself. Yeah. Just you, your brittle bones just, just heaved in half. Um, yeah, I would just <laughs> I've I've been watching uh, I've been watching a fair bit of the sport the last few weeks and it, it it's it's always quite encouraging when you see professionals at the top of their game just do some of the most obscene things uh, because you just realize that no, no one's ever no one's ever that good <laughs> not not really if you don't have a little bit of humility and, and humbleness about you then um, you're gonna you're gonna struggle uh, in the world. Karma's uh, gonna get to you. It's always going to get to you, which is which is exactly how I take my approach to uh, my to the crypto markets as well, um, which we sort of touched on earlier about China, and then we ended up getting deeper into a whole bunch of other stuff. But um, you made the point earlier, and that's why I got my first beer about the mechanics of illusion uh, oh, yeah. about China banning Bitcoin again. So I've read a couple of things this afternoon as well that. Uh, basically the articles that have been talking about it have just been reinforcing uh, the announcements that came out of China a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and then it's just recycled news that, uh, that just reinforces China's policy stance on virtual currencies. And it's not new at all. It's not even a new ban. It's just the old ban repackaged into news uh, for some of the financial news sites, which would make a lot of sense to me um and seems to be but it shakes it still shakes the market i don't know i don't quite know how i mean i know how but um yeah it's weird i mean it's it it, it all just seems very suspect again i mean uh, correct me if i'm wrong sam uh is what what's happened with this latest announcement is it not that they're reaching out they have made they've simply made the statement that any Chinese national that's using a foreign crypto exchange yeah. uh, will be investigated to the full extent of the law. Yeah, which is which has been their stance for a very long time. It's just that they're making the stance about it now. Well, they've made they 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 made it that it's it's like that's been known for for weeks really, um, but for some reason it's only now it's only just getting reported now. The unusual timing of it is it's on the exact same day that Twitter uh, announces that they're integrating Bitcoin lightning payments within their tipping yeah, function. Yeah. Um, that's the surprising thing I found. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the timing of the mainstream press covering this China so-called ban comes at the exact day that a big announcement like the thing from Twitter, because effectively what that does is Twitter now becomes a global remittance company? I mean, that you already can tip with 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 Twitter and different payment methods, yeah. but when it comes to integrating Lightning uh, payments, uh, frictionless, more or less free, um, that's that's pretty significant because it's borderless. You could do it from anywhere that you can access Twitter in the world, so you can't do it from China anyway. Um, but you can yeah, do it from plenty of other countries yeah. around the world. So it, I, I I just found the timing of it suspect at best yeah, yeah i can see that i can i can imagine that uh my i mean my understanding with this uh with the the china crypto announcement obviously china's banned crypto loads of times i don't think it really matters about them banning it or not banning it um 
Yeah, so it, like, so for example, here, here we are from the FT, the PBOC, so it's the central bank to rather than uh, any of the other uh, sort of institutions of the CCP, specifically targeting uh, overseas cryptocurrency exchanges, declaring it was illegal for them to provide online services to residents in China. Um, Which most so, don't anyway. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing, right? So they're just reiterating what their stance is. And so you wonder why it is that they're wanting to re reiterate their stance. Mm. Um, I do think, yeah, I mean, the timing is obviously is obviously quite suspect with Twitter. I think that's a huge announcement, considering how much of all crypto communities are effectively on Twitter anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people prefer not using Telegram, just preferring Twitter for their, for their crypto community. Uh, we've spoken before about Jack Dorsey and how he's kind of a, a closet Bitcoin maximalist. Pro-Bitcoin maximalist. Yeah, yeah, but like he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not as sort of, he's not as, he doesn't embody. He's, the he's not as Bitcoin. Michael Saylor in his approach, I think. Is yeah, yeah. The best way to but do. I mean, it's, it's big news. I mean, I was thinking we should, we should tip our, uh, we should tip our own uh, Booze Booms Busts uh, account with some Satoshis because I want to, I want to see how it works, what the interface, interface is like. Yeah, at the moment, it's only rolling out on iOS from what I understand and soon to roll out to Android. And I'm not sure because it's, it's, it's with Strike. And I don't think a strike's available outside of the US at the moment. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. It so, it, you know, there's been a few people that are like, I thought Bitcoin was supposed to be permissionless, yet the app's not enabled in any country outside of the US. So there yeah. are still some restrictions on it for now. But, um, I mean, if it, it's like anything with these big multinationals like Twitter, it always start, has to start somewhere. Um, like um, PayPal with crypto, that was in the US to start with. And now it's in the UK and, and then it'll be global. And so they'll do the same thing. So it's really just the start of it. But yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be pretty cool. I remember, uh, I remember it was um, Jack Mallers, the big man at, yeah. uh, big man at Strike. Strike. He was planning on rolling out in Europe this year. And I remember that, that was when I was on my, uh, yeah, that was during my beer fast. So that would have been at the beginning of this year. And he was saying, we're going to try and get UK uh, on board this year, which would be really cool if it did. But, you know, you have to jump through all the hoops um, because what Strike has done is really cool. Uh, it really is like cheapest chips and you can send Bitcoin anywhere through through Lightning and indeed Tether anywhere through Lightning. So, uh, you know, a very cool, very cool um, thing, but it's not here yet. So, well, in that case, I guess we'll have to wait a while before we start tipping Satoshis to each other. Uh, yeah. But it'll come, and I think it'll be. I think it'll be great. I, I genuinely think it'll be great because, like you say, it, 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 you know, people will be able to, you know, remit money from place to place. People will be able to, you know, tip. There'll be it's. It, it opens up a whole new form of. Uh, it, opens, it opens up a whole new economy for people. Way for, ways yeah. for people to get paid and and transact and and connect. It's just an expansion of uh, what is effectively a new monetary network. So I think it's all really cool stuff. But again the the overriding news of the day across all mainstream sites is that china's banned bitcoin yeah, nothing yeah. about twitter it's funny it's really funny as well because i actually i i think the china but china kicking out the miners and china banning bitcoin is incredibly good for bitcoin it is it's it so is. Long, it was yeah. this, you know, sword of damocles hiding over you know hanging over bitcoin with <laughs> Okay, what if the CCP decides it's going to do everything in its power to fuck up the network? They're going to try a 51% attack. Yeah. They're going to try forking it. They're going to try uh, you know, monopolizing the miners and sending empty blocks to the nodes, which they're forced to accept. And this is going to screw the whole thing over. Instead, they've just said, we're just going to get rid of it. We're going to get it out of the country, yeah. which, which is, is great for the rest of the world. Like, fine, you don't, 
right? You want to deny your your citizens any kind of sort of financial sovereignty? Yeah, we we understand that's your that's your goal. Okay, fine, just give it to the rest of us. Uh, great. Uh, I think China banning it is uh, uh, yeah, it just seems like it, it's like a breath of fresh air. I mean, here we are. Okay, we're not we're not associated with you guys at all anymore. Happy day. Uh, yeah. So. So it, I, I I completely agree with that, and this, so this is what's interesting, right? And I pulled this up up of up of up off of Wikipedia. Here's a list of a number of the websites that are blocked in mainland China. And when I say <laughs> websites, it effectively means blocking, pretty long list blocking these entire platforms. I'll just I'll just go through I'll just go through a couple, okay? Uh, Google, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Reddit. Uh, Microsoft OneDrive, Netflix, uh, what's another? Instagram, WhatsApp, Twitch, um, Pinterest, SoundCloud, Dropbox, uh, Pornhub. Um, uh -huh. What else we got here? Uh, Medium, BBC, uh, New York Times. <laughs> I mean, there's a bit, the list goes on and on. Uh, TikTok, Amnesty uh, International, Flickr, Huffington Post. Reuters, Le Monde, uh, it's it's just NHK, ABC, the list, NordVPN, it's the Economist. I mean, when you add up all of the things that China blocks of the, you know, Google. So, and here's another comparison that I found interesting that I tweeted up earlier. Google is a one point eight trillion dollar market cap company. Yeah. Okay. Banned, Banned in, China. in China has been since two thousand and ten. They've done just fine without China. The entire market cap of, of all cryptocurrencies that are listed on CoinMarketCap is $1.8 trillion. It's the same as Google. Who gives a fuck if China bans all of it? It'll be fine without China, just like Google. Well, I just feel sorry for the Chinese citizens who, can't, who are going to get prosecuted. So do I. So do I. I do too. Because they, you know, a lot of them don't have a choice. They were born there, can't leave there, can't get their money out of there, uh, and have to, you know, abide by the the policies that they are, that are put in place and and control their lives. So it is it is a shame. Um, but for the rest of the world, who cares? <laughs> yeah. Or well, I think it's better than who cares. I mean, it's just you know, if the China China is just banning it. That's fine. You've got nothing to do with it anymore. So yeah, like off you go. Meanwhile, uh, Twitter, with however many hundreds of millions of users. Uh, is is integrating it. Countries around the world are integrating it. The El Salvador thing is 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 going just fine. Uh, we will. I think Ukraine is. I think is also put into law that it uh, is a, an accepted form of of currency. Uh, more and more will come on board. Yeah, yeah. By the way, fine. by the way, Sam, uh, I have a question actually. With uh, you know, with um, Square, you know, Dorsey's payment payment. Uh, mm -hmm. Are they not integrating Square with that uh, with the Twitter tipping apparatus when it comes um, to? So you can use you can use Cash App through Twitter already, right? But can uh, you use can you tip with Satoshi's through through Cash App? Um, I don't know. I think I, I I think it's only fiat money at the moment. I think the right, the, right. the Strike integration is the only crypto tipping right, right, yeah. that they that they're rolling out with. But I mean, if they manage to roll that big time, I mean, it's fine. It's a very bullish thing for Twitter. Ultimately, it's a big value add oh. for that that company, which is interesting because Twitter is not like it's not been able to perform like any of the other social media giants like Facebook and uh, and Google, of course. Um, 
you know they've not managed to they've not they've they've kind of been the dog of the social media space for a long time. So maybe this will be the thing that finally pulls them out of the pulls them out of the trough. Yeah, Twitter's one of those interesting companies where they it's sort of always they're sort of always to and fro. They're always up and down. <laughs> like even since they sort of boomed out of the initial stock listing. And then they went through a period of a few years where the stock just was nothing. And then it sort of recovered. And then it sort of dipped off, I think, towards 2020. And then since sort of 2020, it's actually gone. It's actually done pretty fucking well. I think it's sort of like doubled in, in value uh, since the uh, early 2020 market route. Um, but I think Twitter is a bit of a sleeping giant still. I think there's a lot of life left in it. And just especially if it does start to integrate things like 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 what it is with tipping and payments and effectively becoming a remittance company as well because it is it is just a giant global network realistic which is just what facebook is uh amazon as well any social media site like that uh they're just twice as addictive yeah i mean if and and if you if all of a sudden you can start paying people you know if, if you publish a you know, uh, an in-depth research piece or article on Twitter and you'd get people to tip access to it. You know, again, it opens up a whole new um, platform for payments for creators, publishers, um, you know, people that, that, you know, can can generate revenues and incomes and, and it becomes its own little sort of economy as well, which I think is really cool. Yes, Sam. I mean, like uh, next time I share a really, really good artflow.ai generation with a yeah. witty caption, yeah. maybe you'll be able to tip me some Satoshis, eh? Yeah, well, see, but then you'll probably have to owe some royalties to the AI. That's true. They'll probably get, they'll get a clip of the ticket, won't they? Yeah. I mean, your addiction speaks for itself, <laughs> but <laughs> if, if you want to get tipped in it, I think the only fair thing is to tip the creator. Mm. yeah so uh, uh bow yeah. to your robot overlord it's true it's true earlier this week i did share uh, uh i wanted to see what artflow.ai which is a, a website which we've mentioned in previous episodes of bbb uh it is a uh, ai generated portrait creator so it will create a portrait of a person depending on what you what your description is or just whatever you write into the search bar and so I put in Gazprom engineer as I wanted to see what it thought a Gazprom engineer looked like. And it comes up with this chap that looks like he's straight out of like a 1970s Soviet propaganda yep. poster. He is uh, a with, Gazprom engineer. And he's like the, uh, yeah, he is, he's a Gazprom engineer. And the, the background and his eyes are the same shade. And that shade is the same shade as the Gazprom logo. So this thing just, you know, the AI just crawls the internet, finds all the images it can, sees lots of Gazprom logos and probably a lot of Russian dudes with square jaws oh, and then just yeah. puts this portrait together. And uh, well, Sam thinks my, uh, my, uh, my prolific use of this website for creating images uh, such as this uh, is maybe is maybe getting a bit out of hand, but uh, I think it's under control. Yeah, I was I, I had a good chuckle at it when I saw it. I was like, "Yep, that's a Gazprom engineer." <laughs> the AI was successful. Yeah, big time, big time. Now, Sam, uh, long forgotten journey. If I've not rated it yet, I would give this a double B plus. Nice. Uh, it's a very very fine beer if you ever do get your get a chance to get your hands on some long forgotten journey by siren i would recommend it they only make it uh, every now and then uh, it's all they keep that grand marnier bar barrel in use a lot of the time uh, but when they do release it it's a bloody good beer 
But Sam, how would you rate your second? Yeah, so I mean, the the thing when you get sort of some of these larger breweries um, putting out special uh, brands or, or um, special runs of, of things like this, the Columbus 1492 or whatever, uh, they're always pretty good. Um, and I must say that the, this one's pretty good. Uh, I'd give it a double B minus, uh, I think. All which, right. Yeah, it was... It was it was highly enjoyable. I mean, I, I, I quite like pale ales uh, as it is, but uh, that was, it was hoppy, a little fruity, um, but very easy to drink. I mean, it wasn't, it doesn't, it was only 4.7%. So it's not exactly going to blow the roof off, but um, very enjoyable. Could, could have several of those in a sitting. I wouldn't say it's a session beer, but um, definitely one to add to the list of repeat visits, I think. All right. There you have it, folks. Another well, a pair of fine beers today. We've had, we've had a pretty good run, I would say. Um, yeah, Sam, any closing remarks for episode 59 of Booze, Booms, and Busts? Oh, I probably just thought I haven't got enough golf references in as I'd anticipated. Um, and I shall be off now to watch the golf all weekend uh, in between juggling to very young children um, and enjoying a birthday celebrations. Well, happy birthday, Sam. I'm sure everybody listening wishes you one as well. Thank we do have some decent beer. And uh, yeah, we shall be back next week with episode 60, another big milestone for Booze, Booms and Busts. If you are listening to this, I hope you enjoyed it. Do feel free to give us a follow on Twitter if you do use the platform. Uh, and we shall be back next week. We'll see you then. <laughs>